Thank you, gentlemen. Moving on. What we've been discussing is applying Shrakta Papa to the Gemara. And we said that just like in every skill, you need to know the principles of how it works. In Gemara, the principle, the ultimate theme is read, think, read, think, read, think. But you have to know how to think. So when you're doing different parts of the Gemara, there's different ways that you have to think. Just like when you returning shots in tennis well if it's a, it's a if it's a at the back of the court you want to do a a lob and if it's at the front you want to do a smash so you have to you have to know where you are on the court to be able to know which shot you need to play so when you when you when you're going through when you're going through Gemara you have to know where are you in the Mishnah are you in the Rishonim are you in the are you in the Chreinim are you in Rashi are you in Tracers where are you in order to know which shot to play as an analogy of course Jeremiah so we said that when you, first of all, like with everything, unless you have the structure clear, there's really no way to, there's, no, there's not even, no point in even beginning. And Ryan, you'd be amazed how many people don't even get to the stage. And they haven't got the structure clear, and they try to think that they've learned. But unfortunately, all they've done is fallen prey to the fiendish fiend who waits in hiding to prey upon the unsuspecting Talmudic student whose very name sends cold shivers down our spine and whose conquest is our loss. I, it is none other than the vagueness monster vampire that waits for us to go through the Gemara and come out with a semblance of a sort of working, you know what's going on. No, I want to have a specific clarified down to the T. If you've learned to Gemara, I want to know how many parts are there to the Gemara? Read through four times, read and translate, and then divide and conquer into their constituent parts. Now, every single part of the Gemara can be labeled by one of these seven labels. We're going to focus primarily on six of the seven, and that means that there's nothing in any Gemara that you go throughout Shas that you can't give this label to. Now, I don't know if you know that, but for me, that's extremely liberating. Because at first, when you meet Gemara, Alex, it seems like this big, daunting, huge sea. And you think, how am I going to navigate my way through this? What, what, it's words and words, and there's so many concepts, and there's so many things that need to be learned. How can I ever find my feet in this gigantic, gigantic maze? Let me put your mind at ease by saying to you the following. That every Gemara follows the same principles and the same structures. And not only that, you are guided and, ass- and assisted by the key text. The key text. The key text. The key texts are the signposts that in their ingenuity, Ravina and Ravashi, the redactors of the Talmud, left for us to assist us in navigation as we plowed our way through the fields of the Shas. What do they do? They said as follows. You're going to come to Gomorrah. You're going to not know which way to turn. How are we going to be able to navigate? Because it could be that the subject matter will be completely unfamiliar. And you won't be able to define where the structure starts, where questions begin and end. And it will be too hard for you to do it. So they said, listen, we're leaving it hard. And Joey, as I said to you before, we're leaving most of the information outside of the text so that your 
Nogen can get it. So we, we leave the sentences unfinished and ambiguous, deleting in background information. So you become an active participant in the process, putting your heart and soul into it. And if you don't put your heart and soul into it, you will remain so frustrated in the process. It will drive you crazy and you'll say things like, Oh, uh, Gemara is not for me. No, it's not my kind of thing. That's not true. It just means that insidious, pernicious, precocious, persevering pain called vagueness has got hold of you. No, 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 no. The Gemara is for you, it's for me, it's for everyone. It's our national heritage. It's basically how to think. And if you know how to think, you know how to learn. If you know how to learn, you know how to think. You just have to make the marriage between the two because there's a lot of stuff in between. The kind of stuff in between is the information doesn't always interest me. I don't really care if a person's on this field for three years or more. Doesn't bother. So there's a, there's a kind of a, there's a meaning. There's a meaning factor which it's not meaning for me to, 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 to study the stuff. So that's an obstacle. There's a language barrier, which means I can't fluently read the text well. So, so that frustrates me. It slows me down. And, and, what, and, then, and then it's not only, it's, even if I'm good at Hebrew, but it's in Aramaic, so it frustrates me further. So there's, there are, there's stuff in between. But that stuff in between is just really, it's like a hurdle. And if you want to, if you're, or better, it's like a weight. It's a weight. Now, if you want to, I mean, if you want to really those guns, Menasha. I'm not saying that you need to or that you should, but if you would want to, if you would want to, and you go into a gym and you say, okay, listen, the truth is, I want you, I want you to look good. So this guy brings, brings this massive dumbbell. You say to him, you're joking, that stuff's heavy. I want something really light. So he looks at you and says, well, yeah, but if I give you something really light, you're going to look as flabby as you look now. So he said, but, but, but I just want to like just give me a broomstick, man. I'll do this. I'll do f- five hundred reps with the broomstick. It's not going to work. If you want to build those muscles, there has to be something that you're pushing against. And you know what? The harder it is to make the curl, the bigger the gun. The easier it is, the smaller the gun. The harder the resistance, the more it grows. So now think about it. If a gun would be in English, sort it out, it'd be like the Rambam, you'd open up and you'd say, oh, oh, this is so cool, whoa, 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 and you'd read it through and polish it off, ha, ha, But what would happen to the Nogon? Remain flabby. Remain all indefined. There'd be no sharply defined mental six-pack. F-share and eight-pack. It wouldn't, it wouldn't happen, why? Because, because you're, not, you're, not, you're not harnessing the full, full, full range of common skills. But when you get to a Gemara and you have to think and you have to look for the signpost and you have to negotiate and you think, well, if this means this, then this has to mean this and this has to mean that. But it can't be because if this means that, then that couldn't mean that, so it must mean this. And you think, oh my gosh, this is so exhausting. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. Oh my gosh, I just want to give up. No! Yeah, that's how you feel when you start working out, right? Most people, most people land up flabby. Why? Because it's not worth the effort for them, or at least they think so. But if you want to have a sharply defined, well-constructed brain, you go there and you have to give it. And it's hard, and it's murderous, and you sweat blood. But then ultimately, just think about it. If you're willing to do it for your body, imagine doing it for your mind. And not only that, the kind of mind you build becomes not just something that can lift heavy objects. It can delve into the deepest thoughts 
and clearly deconstruct them, reconstruct them, analyze and synthesize. And then it empowers you to be so insightful in life. And not only that, but gives you a connection to the inner workings of the mind of Hashem. And not only that, but it's the greatest myth in the world. The one word of Torah is the same as all other 612 mitzvahs, every single word. Cheskas, boom, 612 mitzvahs, equivalent but greater. Habatim, boom, So you sit there, and in one hour of learning, you accumulate supercharged, gigantic spiritual energy. You might not feel it right now, I'm not guaranteeing it. But the more sensitized you become, the more you feel it. And then you realize, you know what? When I haven't had my daily dose of Gomorrah, I feel undernourished. I feel like my spiritual energy is depleted. I can't really go. I can't really go because you need it. It's part of our daily dietary requirements for spiritual health. But it's hard. To work out every morning in the gym is hard. It's not a walk in the park. But my gosh, does it pay off? <laughs> You're with me, Jim. Okay, so the key text, this is this range of assistances that Ravina and Ravashi provided us with, and they said as follows. You've got to be able to negotiate your way through these seven parts of the Gemara. You have to know when there's a kasha, a difficulty, when there's a resolution, when there's a question being asked, when the answer is being provided, when a proof is being brought. So therefore, they compile these words. Examples of these words are an example of a kasha word would be vaha and behold. So now when I see the vaha, I know, oh, 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 it's going to be under this category. And then the Gemara may answer and say, Loi Kasha. That's not difficult. And then no is a resolution. The Gemara will go way and attack from one Amara to another based on the scriptural tonight source. And oh, yeah, we go. It's a Kasha. And the Gemara will say, a terrace. The Gemara will say, Minahanimini. From where do we get this? Or Minain. From where does this come? And no information is being, cre- is, is being asked for. And the Gemara will answer, the Tonurabon no Dictiv. And I know the information is being provided for in the answer. The Gemara will say, Teda, I'll prove it to you, and I know a proof is about to come. The Gemara will say, Veraminu, and I raise a contradiction based on equally weighted sources, and I know a contradiction is about to come. So through the Gemara guiding us by giving us these crucial words, and by focusing and learning those crucial words, so then we become equipped, which means as follows. If you only know the key text, and you come to a strange suga, suga in a faraway Gemara Menachas, and you read through the page of Gemara, you don't have a clue about what it's talking about, but you'll be able to say, based on the key text, I see there's a question, then there's an answer, then there's a kasha, then there's a teret, and then there's a raya. And you'll say to me, but what is the same between? I'll say, I don't know what it says between, I'm just following the signs. So I know what the sugya looks like, but I don't know what the contents are, then I have to learn the subject matter for. But once you have the structure and you know the flow, oh my gosh, how empowered do you feel? How privileged are you? So in other words, do not underestimate the power. If you want to learn any words in Gemara, do not waste memory space on learning words like Shchini Gavoy. Because those words are specific to the Sugya. We learn words like Meisvei Eisvei, Dichtiv de Tonurabonan, De Tanya, Otanya, Tnan. Those are words which come up repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Those are directional words. Those are signposts. Learn the signpost words. And then you'll never get lost. Huh. What amazing advice. Thank you, Jeff. Okay? Good?
every time, every time, I don't know, for me, every time I say this shit, I just think it's more and more profound. It's unbelievable, kind of kindness. Robert, what's the S at the bottom? Contradiction. Contradiction. Stira. Stira is the Hebrew word for contradiction. Stira. What was key text? Key text. Key, Talmudic, key phrases. Or if you want to go like really kind of new age, we can call them crucial with a K. Crucial. K-R-U-S-H-A-L. Crucial. Talmudic key phrases. Crucial. That's not the accurate spelling. What do you want? If the guy puts too heavy of a weight in your hand, no, you oh. won't be able to pick it up. Oh, just oh, oh, oh. So what happens like you this? Break your back. So what happens like this? You, you go, hurt. you go into the gym. You go into the gym. Warm on squats. You go into the gym. You go into the gym, and right now you look like a stick figure. Right, pretty much like you look now, like a stick figure. <laughs> look like a stick figure. <laughs> So the guy goes, you know, you get like this like overambitious trainer. So he says, yeah, you go, and he gives you like you know, two hundred kilogram thing, and you're like, and then you like break your back and try to pick it up. No, you need you need coaches. Slowly, slowly. Let me introduce you to the whole notion of what gym's all about. Gives you background, coaches you through, not too much, too fast. Gets your feet wet. You push your weight up, push your weight there. Gets you into the mud. Slowly, 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 slowly. But you need patience. So what happens? Generally, even when you start with those light weights, after the session, you're aching. It hurts. You don't enjoy it. When do you start? When do you start enjoying gymming? See results. And when you get into it and you start to like with anything, the first the first period of of engaging in any new occupation is always hell because you're very bad at it. Because when you start something new, you, can't, you don't start off being good at something. You start being bad at something. Rule. If there's anyone here that started off being good at everything, or even if you start off with natural talent, for sure, 10 years later, you're immensely, exponentially better. Correct? Why? Because you've been doing it for 10 years. And the better you get, the more you enjoy it. Correct? For me, learning Gemara, Mamish, Ganaiden. Why? Because... Okay, well done. 26 years later. <laughs> I kind of know a little bit. But it's Ghanaian. But how long did it take, take it to be Ghanaian for? <laughs> I remember my years when I was sitting in Orsamech, struggling, and the frustration. Oh my gosh. The frustration of thinking that I got the translation right and just not feeling comfortable with it and just struggling there. And then, oh my gosh, it was nightmarish. Okay. But now, now I feel like my mind's been opened. I feel like the world is a completely different place. And you know what? Now every time I'm learning Cheska Sabatim, I learned Cheska Sabatim when I was in Orsamech. When I was in Orsamech, it was so long ago, still hairs to draw on the planes of my forehead. Still wrinkles were far away from my eyes. My face was jubilant with youth. <laughs> <laughs> So imagine, so imagine, when I was in Rosamech, I learned Cheska Zabatim. Taka learned Cheska Zabatim, I was here. I've still got my... I don't have an Alkamara. But I, I... And, what was it like? It was absolute hell. It was hell. I mean, I would reminisce, like old people change. I remember when I was your age. <laughs> we dreamed. 
Who would have thought of air conditioning with heating? <laughs> we used to sit in this cold room, and if there weren't icicles on our beards, that would kick us out. I used to remember we used to wake up, and our roommate used to throw his negelvas over my face. And then I used to wash myself 17 times just to make sure. And then I used to go to Sheer. Oh, Gemara Sheer wasn't one and a half hours. It was four and a half hours. And we had to sit there. No, we weren't allowed to sit. Huh, I joke. We stood there. And at the end of the session, the rabbi made us repeat off by heart every new word we'd learned. And there were 622. And if we didn't know that he had beat us with a metal rod. That's what it was like when I was in Yeshiva. And you complain. <laughs> then we used to learn Musa. Musa. The, the Washington. We used to learn Musa two hours straight. And then after the Musa session, we used to eat the Musa books to internalize it. Those are the days. You tell that to the youngsters of this generation. They won't believe you. So, it was hell. It was hell. When you start learning Gemara, it's hell. It's hell. Now, if you think that I think Gomorrah's hell is my own personal bad Ashkafas, so the truth is, it's actually, it's universally accepted. And if you'll just like, keep on looking at this board when I just gently step out and bring back a very officially accepted text. Just one second. Was and the Medrash Tanchuma says in Parshas Noyach a very fam- famous Medrash Tanchuma he asks the question he says you know that the Jews prior to the acceptance of the Torah at the mountain of Sinai said those famous words which have become so symbolic of our relationship to Tumor Torah, they said, Nasev and Nishma, and they were given these two crowns. We will do and we will understand. Have you heard that expression before? Nasev and Nishma, we will do and we will understand. They said those words when? Sorry? At Matan Torah. but when? Sequentially, when did they say them? Hashem do this. When did they say it? Before. Before. And then the Gemara says as follows, that they got to Mount Sinai, and the mountain was raised up and suspended over them and said, listen guys, you've got, you have a choice. You can accept the Torah. Or of course you could, you, you could choose not to and then I'll just boom, drop the mountain on top of you. So now that doesn't sound like much of a choice to me. So there's many questions as to you. Isn't that coercion? But the, the Medrash asked a more fundamental question. Why, did it, why was it necessary to have done that? They'd already said nice to Venishma. They'd already said it. So why do you need to... What, 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 it seemed that there's kind of a coercion because there was a reluctance to accept it. But they willingly, willingly declared their acceptance. So what was the big deal? That's the Medrash Tanchumah. It's also a Tosus asked this question in the Gemara and Shabbat. But the Medrash Tanchumah asks... And the Medrash Tanchumah answers and he says that... Um, like this. And if you ask a kasha and say, I'll if you say that Hashem, when He suspended that mountain above them, it was in order for them, Ryan, to accept the Bible, the, the written work, that you just open up an article and you read it and it goes so smoothly, do you think there'd be any opposition to that? 
You're joking. That's the kind of thing I can read on my couch. You open it up, you put your feet on the table, and you go, oh, this is an interesting Pontius Mikkate. Whoa, the story of Joseph and his brothers. This is awesome. You don't have to think. You don't have to use your brain. You just chill. So do you think I was working to convince you to accept that? You're joking. It's a great story. No way. So why did he hold the mountain above them? Didn't they say we'll do it? No, the reason is because when it comes to the written Torah, because there's no effort required and there's no pain involved. It's not a lot of material. The reason why they needed that extra push on the Torah, why? It's so difficult, it's so technical. But he has a kamavis, and it's as strong as death. The kosher kashul, and it's as hard as hell. From my words, the kosher kashul kinosa. The major says it's as hard as hell. And no one is going to learn Gomorrah unless they love Hashem. I said, what do you want me doing this for? B'chol liboy, with all his heart. B'chol nafshoy, with all his might. B'chol mo'edoy. Shinemar, b'hafta shem ekecha, b'chol levavcho, b'chol nafshcho, modecho. U'mitnayin atolameid, shen avuzu eloshen talmud. And how do you know that that love can only be expressed through the learning of Gomorrah? Reimach sivochrov, look what it says afterwards. V'hoyu advoy meila shenachim, mitzavuchayim alevavcho. It says, the words that you're speaking should be upon your heart. The Talmud, your life. That's Talmud, which requires your full experiential participation. So that's the Medrash Tanchuma. So the Medrash Tanchuma says this is not a walk in the park. So if you start learning Gemara and you find it extremely difficult, just so ridiculously irrelevant and so way out in terms of complexity and so frustrating in terms of language and so convoluted in terms of subject matter and so abstruse in terms of that's what it's meant to be yes Rachamim sorry can you say I, I missed the last part of the measure what did it say about time I can read it afterwards it said like this it asked a question right just to, to review it said we already openly as a Jewish people accepted to commit ourselves to Torah so why was there at the time when the Torah was given what was there the mountain was suspended above them seemingly because they must have wanted to retract so I said whoa 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 you retract buddy yes not a pleasant future why did they want to retract because they were informed at that stage oh by the way it's not only the Chumash there's this thing called Gomorrah and they said well, what does that involve so and she said well above that huge massive gigantic full on effort day and night and it's as hard as hell and it's as tough as death so they said um, <laughs> thanks God but um, oh gosh no the Nile has never looked like a more pleasant place to be let's um, just kind of saunter off in that direction so they kind of they they, 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 <laughs> they wanted out the major says that they wanted out. When they're presented with the option of what learning was about, they say, um, <laughs> maybe not. And then Hashem says, no, you need this. You need this. 
So they said, we don't. He said, you do. They said, we don't. He said, you do. He said, okay, he has your options. You can leave it and then I'll bury you in this, underneath this mountain or you can take it and you'll be okay. Oh, Taco, well, no, actually, we want it. No, that's absolutely fine. Well, we enjoy it. Of course, we love it. <laughs> so that's what happened. So then the major goes on and says, but an interesting twist that when you do commit yourself to it, it must be there's this kind of this this this, this, this principle which is which is an important um, description of how do you know how much a person loves you? Like Jay, how do you know how much someone loves you? How do you measure their love? How do you measure love? I hear what you say. <laughs> <laughs> how does God know that we love because we're willing to how do you measure love the way you measure love is how much will the other person put themselves out for you push it someone loves you they'll put themselves out for you if someone doesn't care about you they'll say listen I, I, I really I'd love to come to your vault but uh, <laughs> just don't have enough time that means I couldn't care less if you say to me Rebbe I'm getting engaged. I'm not saying I'm not saying getting engaged. I'm not saying getting engaged. But I do have a great girl to You say I'm getting engaged, the vote at nine o'clock and I say, Oh mazel to mazel to mazel boom. It means I don't really care if I say you get engaged, where are you going? When I want to be a part of that. I'm the, you know, and I'll cancel this, I'll do that, I'll go two hours on the bus because I care about you. The more I'm willing to put out for you is more a demonstration of care. If I don't care less about you, so I won't put anything into it. So now my relationship with Hashem. Now I'm getting a lot from Hashem. For example, life, <laughs> breath, this hand, yeah, this is a great noggin. Yeah, I get a lot from Abisha. How do I respond? Do I want to do something for him? What do I do? So if I do stuff which is like so convenient, like I, you know, so stuff which I all the stuff I like to do. I like to do lots of stuff. Like I like to daven. It's my thing. I enjoy davening. I'm happy to in the re- rap to the rebellious old um ah give smack. Not challenging me. Get to the point where Hashem says, "I want you to do this," and you say, "I know you want me to do this, but <laughs> I really, I can't be bothered." So it means that you don't love Him. So how do you do it? You got to love. You got to love. How do you show your love? Show your love when you do things which are inconvenient. They don't really work for you, and you do it anyway. It means you love. So you see that the only person that maybe says, "If someone's doing Gemara, proof they love Hashem." No one's doing that because they want it. They love Hashem. It's because they're showing their love. They love. They love. Koshe Koshoyel Kinasa. Oh, it's as hard as hell to get it. Ozukamavis. It's as tough as death. <coughs> now, death is pretty tough. I mean, it's like quite a nice scale to measure it by. How hard is it? Like, you know, having a bad cold? <laughs> you know, like, being deprived of food for like 15 days? No, death. It's like, that's, that's an interesting uh, comparison. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you're free to, you're free to argue. I mean, I'm not. It's not like I'm coming here and like I'm saying this vote and like this is the way it is. You're free to argue. And I'll show you how you're wrong. Go on. Then. Um, if if Klal did choose to accept the Torah because they're worried about the pain and sorrows that they, I mean, sorry that they worry about the turn that they'll be killed. Right, they'll be so killed. They, oh. under duress. But like they're faced, they're faced with anyway pain and sorrows and kiilu death. So why not opt out with a with a quick death, painless death, and not have to face? I never heard that question before. Yeah. Not have to face sorrows and pain for the rest of their lives. Ah. 
generally, even people who commit suicide, once they've done it, fight for their lives. Meaning, if they don't succeed 100%. Well, it's, it's the strangest thing. That there's the, the, the understanding of life being more precious than anything is deeply imprinted into who we are. We ultimately realize that, however, whatever quality of life you have, life is better than death. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Okay. So, so this is like, yes, yes, Jeremiah. What about for people who like, like enjoy studying tomorrow, then it's not challenging for them anymore, and it's not like they're, okay, it's not what you described, you can said you it's find for them. Can you, can you, no, it's like this, there's, there's definitely, when you break the barriers in front of Gomorrah, it is Gan Eden, it's not Gehenim, it's Gan Eden, but even in the Gan Eden, there will always be a Gehenim component. I mean, you always need to start every suga and not have a clue what it's talking about. Even if you've been learning for the last 50 years. On the contrary, generally, what I found in my own life, and I'm a bona fide ignoramus, I agree, but even so, every year, like, what, I, what I want to say when I went to the whole thing about the tough times when I started learning Chizkas about him, I'm learning Chizkas about him 26 years later. For me, it's a completely new Gemara. It's key that I've never seen it before. And it's not because I've forgotten it. It's because everything is so much more profound, it's deeper, it's, I can make connections which I could never make before, I can see subtleties which I'd, I had missed completely, and the whole thing is just transformed. So that's amazing. But Lemaisa, my share is still trying to get Pshatim the Mishnah, Cheska Zabatim. The share is morning, okay? We've been learning Cheska Zabatim for how long? How long? Two, no, two, two months. Two months? Today the share was on the Mishnah, trying to figure out what the Pshatim the Mishnah is. That's where we're holding. And we didn't succeed, so we went on a little bit. Do you understand? Why? So that's hard. That's hard. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm surprised of kind of enjoying it, but it's also it's hard. The guys in my show, look at them. They look mumish bedraggled. It's not only because I smell and it's got bad personality and bad delivery. It's also because the subject matter. Yeah. Yes, Rahman. What does it mean when someone you go deeper in Gemara? Like, you read it and it says, it says what it says. Like, you give an example of something like that, that the Vilna Gaon would see that we would never see. Let me ask you a question. You've learned Cheska Sabatim? The, yeah. the Mishnah? Chelsea. Yeah? Okay. So, first level of depth. How many opinions are in the Mishnah? One opinion? Sorry. Not, not, not including Rabbi Kibben and Rabbi Shmuel's separate opinions. Saying Rabbi Kibben and Rabbi Shmuel are on the same camp. Okay. How many opinions are there? Only Rabbi Shmuel? Or is there another tanner as well? Are there two pin- That's right. Two months ago. Okay, so, so that's one example that the, the Mishnah lends itself to two different perspectives. You can read it perfectly as one tanner, you can read it perfectly as two tanner. Right. Step number one. Step number two. Depending on how you learn it, will radically adjust how you understand the entire notion of what Chazaka is. What is Chazaka? What is Chazaka? What is it? Well, how does it work? How does it, it operate? So it depends. If you learn that the Mishnah is two opinions, so then it comes out there's this gigantic chasm between whether Chazaka is a rabbinical enactment or it's a derivation of a strange extrapolation from a goring ox. And then, if it's a strange extrapolation from a goring ox, there's so many riddles that you have to resolve. For example, the equation that's created between goings and eatings, the time periods, the specific things involved in those two things. Like, and then ultimately you're going to have to figure out and, and why, would we, why would we adjust, why would we 
why would we do it? And, and why would the other opinion argue on that? Surely he agrees to the notion as well. So where would that, where would that dispute lie? And then you'd have to go into to, to more fundamental, fundamental reasonings, which is what defines land ownership? What defines how do you evaluate truth? What factors are considered viable factors and what factors are considered irrelevant factors? And then you have to think about three years and testimony and how much presence you have to have and what activities you do. And then you'll get bewildered by the olive press, which is this kind of twilight zone of something which is meant to be producing on a daily basis, but the seasonal crops only occur once a year. It goes on and on and on. It's just kind of asking questions on every word in the world. That's part of it, but through that you develop a depth of insight. And then what happens is, today in Shear, as we're talking about this, one of the guys says, this is really interesting, because my parents, they've, they've, they've got this plot of land in front of their house, and their neighbors one day came and stuck a stake into our land, and they said, okay, this is our land. Mm-hmm. And his parents said, what are you talking about? This is our land. And they said, no, according to the 1953, there's a discrepancy in the plans. And it's a one and a half centimeter discrepancy which makes a nine foot difference in the land outlay, which for the neighbors will provide them with enough room to build a bigger house because you can only zone a particular size house. So, so now, who, who does the land belong to? So the 1993 plans, of course, validate that they're the owners. 1953 plans say, no, they're not the owners. So they took the court, the case to court, and they said, well, you've been maintaining the trees along that stretch for the last 15 years. So clearly it's your land. So, ah, oh, one second. So that's Ches Kassab. All of a sudden it becomes a relevant topic, but it's only because you understood the underlying reasons and then you can say, okay, what well, if they would have come to base him, what would have been ruled? Okay, gentlemen, we're running out of time. Thank you for your attention.